Good evening and welcome once again to another episode of the Friday Night Parkdale Special. I'm your host Joyrider coming to you live from the Dollhouse in downtown Toronto with my feline co-hosts Chatty G, Silent J, and Floofmaster Toby. And this is episode 130. Starting this week with a a little bit of chaos in the household, one of my feline co-hosts had a bit of a health scare, and he is feeling better, but uh, Chatty G, being 14-ish, 15-ish, may have had a cardiac event. I got him to a vet, so he seems to be doing just fine. So chances are pretty good he's going to have to be on meds after this. But that's better than the alternative. He's still here. This evening, we're going to be talking about Ennio Morricone. And he may be one of the most prolific composers of film scores since the beginning of film as a medium. At the peak of his output, he was writing an average of 25 scores a year. It's basically like if Emily Dickinson decided she was going to write movie scores instead of poetry. He sustained that output for over a decade, and even after that, he continued to generate an absolute wealth of material. In his lifetime, he created over 500 scores, which to quote Pitchfork's Zach Schoenfield is an especially impressive number considering how he refused to move to Hollywood and never learned to speak English. He was born on November 10th of 1928, which would have made him 94 as of next Thursday, and he studied composition, trumpet, choral music, and choral direction as a young man in post-secondary school between the mid-40s to 1954. He married a woman named Maria Travia in 1956, and they would go on to have four children together. They were married until his passing in 2020 due to what was likely a pulmonary embolism, resulting from either a broken hip or a broken femur, which was sustained as the result of a fall in late June of 2020. In 1962, after years of working as a conductor for film scores, he began trying his hand at composing scores. These first early works didn't garner a lot of notice, but in 1964, he reconnected with a grade school friend named Sergio Leone, who himself had become a movie director. Leone had begun directing in 1959 with the film The Last Days of Pompeii, and upon reconnecting, Leone mentioned to Morricone that he was looking for a composer for the movie he was currently working on, titled A Fistful of Dollars, which took its inspiration, actually, from Kurosawa's 1961 film Yohimbo. Morricone went to work on it, and it turned out that the two of them made an incredible team. Between 1964 and 1981, when Leone died at age 60, they would work together on seven films, many of them having a lasting impact on film as a whole and especially on spaghetti westerns. All but one of the movies that they did together were spaghetti westerns. And if you're not familiar with that term, spaghetti western was a label first used by Spanish journalist Alfonso Sanchez in reference to Italian directors making Western movies. 
There were other clusters of westerns directed outside of North America, such as Spanish westerns, which were dubbed paella westerns, and Eastern Bloc westerns, known as red westerns. Why they didn't keep the food thing going and call them borscht westerns, I don't know. Totally missed opportunity. To be fair, they did drop the food theme as well with Zapata westerns, which were set in the Mexican Revolution. But still, tamale westerns, come on! It's right there! Uh, maybe I'm just hungry. A tradition of European movies styled after U.S. westerns began in about 1961, though some will point back to Puccini's opera La Fanciulla del West, uh, The Girl of the West, as the earliest Italian use of the American West as a dramatic setting. After a 1958 U.S.-U.K. collaboration called The Sheriff of Broken Jaw, which was filmed in Spain, did relatively well, a number of Spanish directors began to create their own westerns in the U.S. style on their own soil. But it was Leone's first western in 1964, uh, Fistful of Dollars, that distinguished itself from its predecessors by having a distinct style, which is where the spaghetti western as a genre was firmly established. That it also happened to be Morricone's first successful score is part of why, for tonight, we're going to focus on Morricone's work on spaghetti westerns. The other part is simply that his body of work is so voluminous that it has to be broken up somehow to make it even remotely approachable, and this is as good a spot as any. It's both the beginning and the most well-known part of his career. In spite of his work on spaghetti westerns comprising less than 10% of his entire oeuvre. On the spaghetti western database, they have a top 20 list and 13 of the top 20 films are movies that Morricone did soundtracks for, with nine of them being in the top 10. Only number seven, a movie called Django, is not his. And number 20 was actually a collaborative effort between he and his protege, Bruno Nicolai. All in all, that's pretty impressive. We're going to listen to the soundtracks chronologically in much the same way that we did with Giallo. And from there, I've broken the soundtracks into four groups. This is because spaghetti westerns tended to have sequels and trilogies, and Morricone worked on some pretty important trilogies. Our first segment will be his work with Duccio Tussari, with whom he did a pair of movies, and the three following segments will look at his work with three Sergios, Solima, Corbucci, and Leone, each of with whom he did a trilogy. First up, we're going to look at his work, as I said, with Duccio Tussari. We're going to get started with Uno Pistola per Ringo, a Pistol for Ringo, which came out in 1965. It only ranks as high as 29 on the Spaghetti Western's top movies list, but as it's part of a pair, it's worth playing a little from both, just for the sake of context. And this is the title theme from that film, a Pistol for Ringo. Thank you. 
So the film uh, Pistol for Ringo is set in a border town and a gunslinger named Ringo kills four people, is arrested and put in jail. The shooting was in self-defense. Hi! <laughs> He's up to form again. And while he is being held, the sheriff's fiance gets taken hostage with some other people and the only person who can save the hostages is Ringo, so the sheriff has to make a decision about whether or not he'll let him free to infiltrate and take down the gang. An interesting thing to note is that a lot of the heroes of spaghetti westerns tend to be scruffy looking in the line of Clint Eastwood, but in this film, the hero, Ringo, is quite pretty. In fact, the song that I'm going to play for you next from the soundtrack is actually for the main character of the film, and it's called Angel Face. Countries that know me the springtime And you green fields with your sandal of these would have had soundtracks that were close to an hour long in total but because I'm trying to get through about a dozen movies in two hours so with most of these I've pared it down to about two or three songs from each movie the next one the next one that we're going to listen to is actually number 17 on the top 20 of the Spaghetti Western database, and it is the sequel, The Return of Ringo. 
It came out about four months after the first one, and it too was with Lucio Tussari. This is the main titles of The Return of Ringo. I kiss at last the beloved crown of my land That I left one day with my heart, heart full of pain I have looked in the faces of my old friends But not do you look at me as my old friend And now what happens you must, you must tell me You must remember who I am If you see a man with downcast eyes and ragged clothes Walking through your village, don't shout him, but go at his side I'm that man and now I beg you, help me, I need you I need you The liar who told my sweetheart Take my place, you shall pay for the space lie. Those who saw me as a round-time man, those who tried to destroy our world, shall leave forever our The vocalist for Angel Face in the first movie was Maurizio Graf, and if you hadn't caught that, he was the vocalist for the main titles of The Return of Ringo as well. The movie, the sequel, is actually a loose retelling of the ancient Greek story of the Odyssey. It would take a while to get into the full details of how it was translated into a spaghetti western, but you can find the synopsis along with a ton of other material on spaghetti-western.net. Really awesome site. So uh, the next track that we're going to listen to from the sequel, The Return of Ringo, this is Peace Comes Back in Mimbres.
Now we move into our second segment on Morricone, his work with Sergio Salima. The next movie that we're going to touch on, the title translates to The Big Gun Down, and it was released in 1966. It's number five on the Spaghetti Western's top 20, and it's the first of the Luz Cuchillo trilogy done by Salima. This is the title track in brackets, the second chase. So the plot for The Big Gun Down, it's about a bounty hunter who is told to find a man who has allegedly committed a sexual assault. And he is encouraged by a rich man, and he goes about his business tracking this man down, 
But the longer he's on the hunt for this guy, the more he starts to think that something isn't quite right. Next track from The Big Gun Down, this is Dopo la Condana, which translates to After the Verdict. As much as possible, I have tried to, with each movie, grab the title theme and either a song that's really close to the end of the movie or another piece that evokes the feel of the storyline. Next one we're going to touch on is called Face to Face, and it came out in 1967 and it was also with Sergio Salima. Its story essentially follows a professor who goes out into the desert to relax. But then he gets caught up in violence and essentially the movie intends to show how experience of violence changes people and their behavior. From Face to Face, this is the title track.
This next track, also from Face to Face, is called Interlude. The next film in his trio of pieces with Sergio Salima, I hesitate to call it a trilogy because the main character is only reprised from the first movie and the third movie. In the second, it's a completely different guy. The movie is Run Man Run, and it is number 20 on the Spaghetti Western's top 20 list, and it was released in 1968. This is the one where Ennio Morricone is not actually officially credited, in spite of his having worked on it, but Bruno Nicolai, his protege, is. From Run Man Run, this is the title track.
next track from 1968's Run Man Run, directed by Salima and in partnership with Bruno Nicolai, is called Viaggio or Voyage. next segment is going to be his work with Sergio Cabucci, the second of our Sergios for this evening. And this next one came out in 1966. It's called Navajo Joe, and it actually had Burt Reynolds as the titular Navajo Joe. Obviously, looking at it now, this movie will have no end of problems, not the least of which is that Burt Reynolds It's not Navajo. If anything, he has some Cherokee ancestry. But that was the time, and it comes in number 27 on the Spaghetti Western's top list of movies. This movie was one of three that Ennio Morricone did under the alias Leo Nichols. I'm not entirely sure why he used an alias. He used two different aliases, and both aliases he made three movies each with that name. This is the first one, using the alias Leo Nichols, and this is the title track for Navajo Joe.
So in this movie, the story is another of vengeance for a fridged woman. And uh, you may have noticed by this point, if you're not terribly familiar with the genre, that spaghetti westerns tend to have one of a couple of themes. Uh, Usually it's vengeance or betrayal or unlikely alliances. Uh, There are also sometimes pretty political themes, like the ones you would see in the Zapata westerns, which are all framed around the Mexican Revolution. The next track we're going to listen to from Navajo Joe is A Silhouette of Doom. This is one of the few movies that I really wanted to include a third one from the soundtrack. This last track from Navajo Joe is called Raw Hides and Dead Hides.
Our next film that we're going to take a look at is called Il Grande Silenzio, or The Great Silence, and it's remarkable in particular for its being one of the very few spaghetti westerns that takes place in the snow. It's also number four on the spaghetti western top 20 list. This is one of the title themes. It's The Grand Silence, in brackets, Restless. character in this film, uh, his vocal cords were cut by bounty hunters in a, an episode that takes place prior to the beginning of the film, and his nickname is Silence, hence the name. He bands together with some of the townsfolk to take down some of the law, and the law is, of course, inept and cruel. And I mentioned earlier that uh, some spaghetti westerns lean on political themes, and this was certainly one of them. It was actually considered a little too touchy for release in 1968 in the States, particularly because uh, apparently it had 
a less than happy ending and for release in the states the executive at the production company in the u.s said you have to reshoot a happy ending which is not the first time we've heard something like that the director corbucci complied but he deliberately made it unusable garbage and so it was never released in the states from the grand silence this next track is called barbara and sharp One more from Il Grande Silencio. This one is titled Invito all'amore, or in English, Silent Love. And I've included this because it's a little different than some of the other pieces that we've listened to so far. There are elements of it that make me think of Vivaldi and really point to his classical training. Once again, this is from the Great Silence, and it's titled Silent Love. Thank you. 
The next film that he did with Corbucci that we're going to be looking at is titled The Mercenary, and it came out in 1968 and finds itself at number eight on the Spaghetti Western's top 20 list. And it was the first in the trilogy that Morricone did with Corbucci. This trilogy falls into the category of Zapata Westerns. First up from The Mercenary is the title track. The Mercenary. So this film, the story is basically mercenary versus mercenary, and the evil mercenary, as opposed to the good one, is played by Jack Palance, and I, for him alone, want to see this movie now. Jack Palance was a fantastic actor. <laughs> very, very unique and hard to mistake for anyone else. The second track that we're going to listen to from The Mercenary is called Liberta, which translates to free. Thank you. 
The next film that we're going to touch on is the second in Corbucci's Zapata Revolution trilogy, and it's called Vamos a Matar Compañeros. Uh, in the U.S. it was just called Compañeros. The full original title translates to Let's Kill Comrades! And this next song is the title theme from that movie. This movie has some combined themes. In addition to being about the Mexican Revolution, it also features some elements of betrayal among associates. This next track from Let's Kill Comrades is titled La Roro Patria, which translates to their homeland, and it's the third iteration of that theme.
This next film is the third and final in Corbucci's revolutionary Zapata trilogy with Ennio Morricone, and it didn't do very well, but that's okay. The title of the film translates to What Am I Doing in the Middle of a Revolution? And it was released in 1972. I'm only going to play one song from it because it wasn't just the movie that wasn't great. Uh, even comments on the soundtrack were less than favorable, asserting that Marconi's soundtrack for this one was lazy. And I can see where they're coming from as... Pretty much all of the pieces that I found for it are iterations on the same theme, just with slightly different instrumentation. They can't all be winners. This is the titles for What Am I Doing in the Middle of a Revolution?
And with that, we move on from his work with Corbucci into Ennio Morricone's most memorable works with Sergio Leone. And the first of the movies that they did together was actually the first of the Dollars series, also referred to as the Man With No Name trilogy. The first one from the trilogy came in number six on the Spaghetti Western database, and it was released in 1964. Both Morricone and Leone used aliases on this one. Leone went as Bob Robertson and Morricone as Dan Savio, which would be the first of the three times that he used that alias, if I remember correctly. I'm talking about A Fistful of Dollars. And the first track we're going to listen to is the title theme from A Fistful of Dollars. So, as I mentioned earlier, this movie leaned heavily on Kurosawa's Yohimbo, and the plot is essentially a gun-for-hire who plays two gangs off of each other, and (laughs) each gang thinks that they are playing him when they are the ones being played. Next track we're going to listen to from A Fistful of Dollars, this is Almost Dead.
two additional notes. The person whistling in this is Alessandro Alessandroni, who was another school friend of Ennio Morricone's, and from this point forward, Alessandro would be the whistler in all of Ennio's compositions. The next and final track we're going to listen to from A Fistful of Dollars, this is The Chase. The next film up is the sequel to A Fistful of Dollars. It's for a few dollars more, and it came out in 1965, again with Sergio Leone, and this one is number three on the Spaghetti Western's top 20 list. This is the title track, For a Few Dollars More.
This one is the first time that Leone uses flashbacks in one of his movies, and it's also one that really relies more heavily than others on the music with the intent of evoking emotion and connection. There is a theme that runs throughout the soundtrack, and there are multiple versions of the soundtrack, which complicates matters greatly. In some versions, the same songs have kind of different names, and it's not just a translation thing. But this one that we're going to listen to next contains the very important theme of the watch, and it's hard to explain the importance of the watch without going into a long backstory about the movie itself. Suffice to say that multiple people in the film have this same watch and whenever it chimes this is the theme that plays in one version of the soundtrack this is called the musical watch in another it's called Carillon
that tinkling music at the very beginning is so creepy. The next song that and last song that we're going to listen to from a few dollars more is called Il Copo, The Blow. We're rounding into the last two films of the evening, and this next one is the third and final installment in the Dollars trilogy, and each one got successively tighter and more thrilling, with Fistful of Dollars being in 1964, a few dollars more being in 65, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly was in 1966, and it is the number one film in the top 20 list on the Spaghetti Western database. It is a movie that barely needs any introduction. Uh, If you've seen any film in the genre, chances are pretty good that it's going to have been this one. It stars Clint Eastwood, as all three of them have, and it's three characters essentially looking for a big pile of gold, and they keep trying to find it and stabbing each other in the back along the way for their own benefit. The title track, this is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly.
So this film is set during the Civil War in the States, and it's with that in mind that we play the next one. From The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, this is the story of a soldier, and it's the film version.
Our next track from The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. This is The Death of a Soldier. This next piece is probably Morricone's most famous song. I think if you don't even know his name, you would hear this and go, Oh, yeah, that, of course I know that song. It's not only been sampled by Jay-Z, Metallica for a number of years opened their concerts with it, and the S&M album that they did, Symphony and Metallica, conducted by Michael Kamen with the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra in 1999, was opened again by this song. This is The Ecstasy of Gold.
the last film that we're going to touch on this evening was one again by Sergio Leone and Ennio Morricone and it was released in 1968 and it's actually number two on the spaghetti western top 20 list this is the main theme from once upon a time in the west
I should mention that this was one of the collaborations that Morricone did with Dario Argento, and if that name sounds familiar, it is because we talked about him during our episode on Jello soundtracks earlier this year. Now, I say it's one of the collaborations between Argento and Morricone because Morricone also did Giello and horror soundtracks as well. But we'll touch on that in a future episode. Next, also from Once Upon a Time in the West, this is Man with a Harmonica.
The plot of this movie is incredibly complex and it's dubbed an epic western. So the shortest version of the plot that I can give you comes from an encyclopedia fandom entry and it goes a little something like this. The film portrays two conflicts that take place around Flagstone, a fictional town in the American Old West, a land battle related to construction of a railroad and a mission of vengeance against a cold-blooded killer. Hmm. Our last song for the night is one of the last songs on the soundtrack for Once Upon a Time in the West. This is from 1969, Ennio Morricone's Final Duel.
And that's where we're going to have to leave it for tonight. Next week, we will be returning to our look at the work of Patrick Cowley on the anniversary of his passing. Next Friday will be the release of the new Patrick Cowley album called Mailbox, M-A-L-E, Box, Har Har. And you'll be able to pick it up on Bandcamp next Friday, along with a number of other pieces from his back catalog that are being posthumously released. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have you share some of your week with me. If you'd like to support the show, go to thefnps.com. All the social media links are at the top right of the page, including my coffee link and the show's Patreon link. Patrons get access to my scratch pad, as well as the show's calendar, early notice of bonus shows, and some fun merch. Whether short-term or long-term support, your coins help me pay for hosting, streaming, and new tunes to keep the show both on the air and fresh. There's also a suggestion box on the website, so if you have show ideas, drop them in there. I look forward to hearing them. As always, be well and stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Right, G? Yeah.